Powered by MPB, this is the MPB Student Council Podcast, hosted by members of MPB Student Council. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Media app to listen on your iPhone or Android device. Welcome to our MPB Student Council podcast, Gun Violence Among Youth Part 2. In this episode, MPB Student Council members discuss concerns and fears about gun violence in their schools and communities with our leaders. As students, we look to adults to help protect and guide us. We hope our guests will share tips and strategies that are helpful in fighting this gun violence problem. Our guests today are Ms. Brianne Kelly, a law and public safety teacher at Simpson County Tech Center, and Dr. Tara Gill, a clinical psychologist. So let's learn a little bit about them. We'll start with you, Ms. Kelly. Hey, my name is Bree Kelly. I'm a law and public safety instructor at Simpson County Technical Center, as well as a paramedic. I worked in Jackson, Mississippi for the last 10 years, and I currently live in Mendenhall, Mississippi. And what about you, Dr. Tara? Thank you for having me. My name is Dr. Tara Gill, as you mentioned. I'm a clinical psychologist by training. I work at Lurie Children's Hospital, which is in Chicago, Illinois. And I work with young people in terms of promoting youth voice and advocacy. I also do a lot of training with adults who work with kids. So really bringing trauma responsive practices to school environments and community spaces and workforce development with youth. In part one of this gun violence conversation, my peers and I talked about a list of fears and concerns with the heightened gun violence in our state. What have you heard from young people concerning our gun violence? We'll start with you, Dr. Tara. So gun violence can be described as a type of trauma that is impacting the lives of young people. We know that when guns are involved, it increases the likelihood that a conflict will turn into something that might result in physical harm or death. When we talk about schools, we know that young people are in schools daily. And so the concern about whether schools have physical and emotional safety is pretty significant, whether it is Chicago or Jackson, Mississippi. I'm actually a graduate of Jackson State University and spent quite a bit of time, shout out to Jackson, and my family's from Yazoo City, Mississippi, so I'm very familiar with the state in general. But there's been increasing concern about the incidence of violence that's happening in Jackson. So again, similar to what we see in Chicago is that you can't have violence happening in a community and it not impact what's happening in the schools. Students bring those concerns, those worries, and sometimes those incidents can violence and weapons inside of the school. So it's important for young people when they come to school to be in a building where the adults have really thought about the policies and practices that are in place to keep them safe. And then, you know, obviously having programming that really allows for peer mediation and for conflict resolution, for skill building, so that young people have a greater opportunity to work out their conflicts so that typical childhood conflict doesn't turn into bullying or aggression doesn't turn into physical harm. That was an amazing response. Miss Brianne Kelly, would you like to add to that? I would say that I definitely agree with that. I have seen violence. I've cared for patients in Jackson where gun violence is increasingly happening. I mean, we've seen the number of deaths per year with gun violence actually competing with Chicago per capita. And that's just something that definitely needs to be addressed. And I would say kids in schools definitely need to feel safe. I do sit on the committee with our technical center about if we had a crisis like that, I would be one of the first responders there on scene 
that would help students. And I hope and pray that it never comes to that. But unfortunately, that's the day and time we live in. So I definitely think it's important for schools to be secure, for staff to be properly trained if something like this ever happened. I know a lot of schools think, well, we're just a small school. It would never happen. But so was Columbine. That was pretty much the turning point where gun violence in schools basically happened. And I was alive and actually in school when that school shooting happened. And I I lived in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and went to the same school that two children brought guns to school there and and killed some students and I believe a teacher there as well. So I was actually in school at that time. It, It was traumatizing. And I think that it's definitely something that for sure needs to be addressed among youth. Seems like the two of y'all have a lot of experience. So we're going to go ahead and ask our peer questions. The first question for you both is, what can we as students do to prevent gun violence in school or help better our school's safety? And I will start this directed at Miss Kelly. So a couple of things I, I think that should definitely happen is conflict resolution among students. Students need to understand that a gun doesn't always need to be involved if you have some type of issue with somebody else. Also, I believe students need to be activists. If they see something, they need to report it to the proper authority so that teachers can handle it police, first responders to keep these things from happening. And just like I said, it all boils down to the conflict resolution. Not everything needs to be handled with a gun. Thank you so much for that insight. Now we'll turn it over to Dr. Gill, and it'll be the same question. What can we as students do to prevent gun violence in schools, better our school's safety? So I think it's important to recognize that even though students have a role in gun safety, preventing violence, that it really belongs to the whole school, the responsibility. Children should be about the business of learning and being children, and it really falls heavily on the adults in the space to keep them safe. So with that, I think that there are certain things that young people can do, and there are certain things that the adults can do in tandem to create a greater sense of safety. For example, I think that a healthy school curriculum has uh, social and emotional learning involved. And so kids at an early age may be taught to label feelings. They may be taught that it's okay to have two feelings at one time. It also might be okay for there to be boys who have sadness and girls who have anger. That is really important to humanize that it's normal to have feelings, but then it's what do you do about that? So helping young people to learn learn not just how to label those feelings, how to identify them, and how to develop some coping skills. It's also important to think about not just like the skills that young people need to learn, deep breathing or mindfulness and meditation, but having things in place inside of the school like peer mediation or having the opportunity for open forums and discussions like you're having today in your school community. Bringing those discussions to light help to reduce stigmas about mental health, reduce stigmas about gun violence. Oftentimes when people say gun violence, they envision in their heads what that looks like or who that looks like. But it's not one type of person. It's not a profile of a person of a certain color or from a certain neighborhood that violence can impact people globally, nationally. And so really thinking about we all have certain risk factors and how can we work to learn skills, develop policies so that there are less guns available and accessible so that there is a greater chance that we can use our skills in order to solve problems. Wonderful. Thank you. 
The next question for you both is what can parents do? Ms. Gill. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I think what parents can do often really echoes the things that we've asked of students and of caring adults. So I always ask that caring adults create a safe environment where young people have identified people that they can go to when there is a problem. First level, children should be believed when there's a problem. They shouldn't be hushed or sent away. They shouldn't be penalized if there's a conflict that they can't resolve on their own. So hopefully home and school are safe places where adults take them seriously and help them to resolve conflicts. Adults can do things like practicing gun safety in the home, making sure that any weapons that are there are locked up, that they talk to their young people about the messages, about how to resolve conflicts and things like that. I also think that you have to take culture into consideration because children and parents are involved in cultural and contextual communities. And so recognizing what are the values and beliefs that people hold, what do they hold as a value or belief if you live in an urban environment, if you live in a rural environment, if you live in a Black community or a white community, what are the values about guns and safety and what are parents' beliefs about whether the people they're supposed to go to, like the police, are safe spaces? And I think all of those things have to be talked about in the home and making sure that people are clear what their values are and living out those values. I would say I do agree with that as far as teaching gun safety within the home. I have an eight-year-old son and I have taught him proper gun safety. And that is something that we have been teaching him since he could talk because we do hunt, very religious hunters. So I believe you're going to have a child, you have guns in the home. That is a number one thing that should be a top of your list as well as locking them up properly. Have a safe. We have a safe here that my son does not know the code to. So we keep them locked up so he cannot just get a hold of them without our supervision. And I feel like that that is something you see a lot of these kids that they just go get a gun. It was on top of something. It was laid out where it could be accessible. You don't do that. That's like number one rule with gun safety. And I feel like kids need to have that talk because guns are here. They're out in the community. But also I think parents need to hone in on if they see red flags with their children. Some children that have brought guns to school, they've shown red flags. And that's something we look at as teachers as well. Maybe they're not mentally stable at that point in time. So you always got to be very in tune with your kids. You know what your kids are doing, who they're hanging out with. I've always been told you get judged by the company you keep. So you always want to make sure you're with good people, no peer pressure to do anything dumb, which kids do do dumb things. I mean, that's part of growing up. I did dumb things. But when dealing with a gun, something that could take somebody's life as a parent, as a teacher, you need to watch for the red flags. You need to teach proper gun safety, keep the guns locked up. So I would say that's pretty much what we need to do. Oh, and I will say this, something that I've noticed as a paramedic, mental health is extremely underfunded and I feel like that should be more funded and if your child needs that type of help here in America we should be able to get them that type of help early on you know I've dealt with children who've had that issue so I would definitely say mental health plays into that as a parent if your child needs help you need to get your child help. Okay so I have a question for you are those the type of topics that you teach in your class and if not what topics do you teach? 
Yes, ma'am. Actually, I do. I teach law enforcement, fire, EMS, military, and then forensics. So we do. I do teach my kids gun safety. Even when we're just practicing with, we have the blue guns, which is what police officers use for training. But even then, I say, if you have your finger on the trigger and you do not intend to use lethal force, you are writing me a two-page essay on that because you just killed somebody. So they get taught that in my class as well. So yes. Thank you. Okay, well, I have the next question. The Senate Bill 2079 is being looked at by our state legislature, and it's considering allowing trained teachers to carry a gun in Mississippi schools. What are your thoughts about this? I'll pass this to you, Dr. Gill. Thank you, Corinne. Well, since I'm I'm not a resident of Mississippi, I'm not completely aware of the legislation. I know that that is not something that is actively being considered in the state of Illinois. I think personally, I would maybe have caution about the dual roles that it would place for educators when you think about their role as teaching all the things that they have to teach and being aware of all the things, then we're kind of adding another layer I think maybe having a different type of personnel that is trained specifically to address those situations that have escalated or have some level of firearm training perhaps would be better suited. When we talk about building a trauma-responsive school environment, we talk about making sure that that school has physical safety, emotional safety. We talk about building and teaching skills, and we talk about having strong personal relationships. And I would really want to put more emphasis on building strong relationships, working to keep students safe and focusing a little bit more on curriculum as a way to impart the lessons that need to be taught. But again, each state has its own structure about how they implement school safety. So I would defer to the Mississippi experts on that. I would say I do agree with that bill, but I believe that the teachers that are chosen for that or apply for that need to have proper training, somebody that has that background. Like for me, example, and I believe that they should go through classes for concealed carry, but extensive classes as well, that those teachers would need to pass a, of course, a background check or mental check. But unfortunately, I think it's something that in today's time, we're going to have to do something. I know in, in our district, we do not, at least at my school, we do not have a school resource officer. So if something happened, us teachers are the first line of defense. And I feel like if one of us had a concealed carry, we would be able to eliminate the threat or stop threat with the least casualties as possible. And that's the whole goal. Each one of us teachers there would absolutely step in the line of fire to save our kids. I've told my kids that, and I hate to say it, but it's just the time that we live in today. But you got these smaller schools that don't have resource officers. So we've got to do something, you know, locking our doors is great and all that. But if you get somebody in there has an intent of coming in the school, they're going to get in my door. It's just a wood door with a glass panel in it. They could easily shoot through the glass, open the door, and there's really not much we could do. But yeah, that's the way I personally feel about it. But like I said, those teachers would need to be specially trained, have some type of background in this, have their concealed carry permit, have the gun where students could not get a hold of it. But it would be something that we need to definitely look at doing, especially for schools who do not have resource officers like the campus I teach at. Miss Kelly. How does cultural sensitivity play a role in the training that teachers receive if the law passes for teachers to carry guns in school? 
That kind of goes with, like I said, mental screening. There would need to be extensive testing. That bundles up. That's the best word I could give it for that whole entire psychological testing, basically. But yes, like I said, it doesn't just need to be something that is introduced and there needs to be parts written that we need to go reevaluate it, see who would be the best qualified, look at their background. And like I said, I said somebody like me who has extensive background in that. But yes, definitely somebody that could psychologically pass that type of background check so absolutely I have the next question and the question that I have is are school shooting drills traumatizing these children and is there research to back up this drill I'll start with you Ms. Gill so I think there's increasing conversation about whether lockdown drills or intruder drills are something that can be helpful or harmful for young people I recall doing tornado drills as a young child, you know, sitting on the floor, protect your head, all those things. And those things are drilled into you in terms of what your instructions are, but also practicing it. And so the goal of those drills are to give you the right knowledge, but also to practice the skill so that it's second nature should you ever have to utilize that. So I do think that, you know, there is a need to give some type of education to students. The question is, what is the lasting impact? And so whether that impact is kind of a trade-off of is the teaching of the skill or putting someone through that, is it worthwhile if it's going to save a life in the midst of them having an active situation? I don't quite know what the research says on that. That's an excellent question. I'll be sure to look it up after this podcast. I do think that when we think about what are things that are traumatizing to kids is when they feel like they are at threat or at risk and there's nothing that they can do to increase their safety. And then that's something that often sticks with them afterwards. We know that trauma symptoms can be reduced by the education, the why, you know, why did we have to do this, preparing kids ahead of time that this is something that's going to happen, and then talking with people afterwards about how they feel and then letting them know if they have additional feelings, they can go talk to someone about it, I think would reduce an any situation, those, the impact of trauma. So if there are traumatic symptoms, I think going through some of those steps would help to reduce it. Great question. I definitely agree. Do we have to practice in order to be prepared? Because you just never know who's next or when it's going to happen. So the best thing is to be prepared. I'm just going to say, I don't know the research either, if it's traumatizing but I do know that when my kids, we participate in these drills, they don't appear to per se be traumatized by it. And they haven't brought that to my attention, which I feel like they would. But overall, nationally, I'm sure that it could be traumatizing because it's just unfortunate that we have to even have these talks or why anybody would want to bring a gun to school to take innocent lives. But like I said, it's the type of world we live in today. And I feel like we need to do it for kids to be prepared in case it does ever happen. I have the next question. From your perspective on video games and what you know about the students who play them, do you think video games and violence in movies and on TV have a correlation to students' way of viewing gun violence? We'll start with you, Ms. Kelly. In the short answer, I do believe they do have a correlation because the games out today, for example, Modern Warfare, I know a lot of kids play that, Call of Duty, all those different types of games. They're very violent, so I do believe that that does have a tie to it. 
movies just show the smallest altercation, the one party killing another party. So I think a lot of kids think that that's, that's what you're supposed to do and you're not. But I think that goes back to the parents trying to monitor what their kids watch at home, what type of games that they play. But yes, I, I do believe that because I know that some of the school shooters that did have that background with video in it, that for example, with Columbine, they did that very same thing. So I do believe that there is a correlation. Dr. Gill, do you have any thoughts on this? I would really be wanting to ask them more questions about who are the people who are drawn to playing violent games? Because I think that your pre-state, the state of mind you had, whether you had more you know, anxiety or depression or aggression prior to playing the video games kind of plays out in the playing of those games that are kind of meant to play on violence. I do think that the more exposure you have to violent content, the more likely you are to become desensitized to this. The other thing to think about is that developmentally, young people are lovely. 10-year-olds are lovely 10-year-olds. 12-year-olds are lovely 12-year-olds. But that doesn't mean that they have all of the full development. Um, Your brain doesn't stop developing until you're about 26 years old. And so when you're taking in these negative influences, there's more research, I think, that's needed to understand what is the long-term impact of such violent video games. When we said violent video games, back in the day, I started out with like Miss Pac-Man. So she was very aggressive with those pellets. But that is not the same as Call of Duty or some of the other games where the game really looks a lot like a simulation of reality. And when you are engaging those simulations, I think that that's a very different conversation than just playing something that has a low level of aggression. Your brain is just not really able to kind of sort out all the differences. And again, your brain is very precious. So be very cautious about what you take in because kind of garbage in, garbage out. So I would imagine that there is a connection, but correlation does not necessarily mean causation. That's a whole nother research conversation, but you can have something that's related, but not necessarily causing it. So I do think that the technical answer to your question is yes. I think that there is a correlation. It's a related and associated, but I don't know that video games cause more aggression or violence. So I do have a follow-up question, Dr. Gill. Do you believe that music could also be a negative correlation to a person's view on gun violence? I think artistic expression is really important and think about our human rights. I think that we should definitely have less censorship than more censorship. My son is an artist, so I do think that it's important to not censor people because I always worry, is the person who's censoring going to have the same beliefs, values, or culture that I do? And so I don't want to live in a world where people are telling you what to vibe to. However, I do think that if you have words, mantras, thoughts coming through your head repeatedly, the more exposure you have going back to like what you see, the more exposure you have, the more desensitized you can be to certain components. So I think violent music is not something I would recommend, but I can't necessarily say that it's causing kids to be more aggressive. But I do believe in desensitization and I do believe that your frontal lobe and all of your brain components are not fully developed and you can be very impressionable. So I do think responsible artists don't put out into the world things for young people that are going to make the world a not-so-nice place. How does gun violence affect the social and emotional well-being and student outcome in schools? 
Well, there is some research that says that if you have, for example, if you're exposed to like a violent event, like a school shooting, and you take standardized tests that day or that week, even if it did not happen on your block, but you saw on the news that it actually impacts your ability to concentrate and your ability to do well. So I do think that when you have things that can become triggers, it's very hard to be successful. I know young people who have been exposed to violence or had community violence and they see things on the way to school, those can be triggers to thinking about something that happened in the past. So with that, I think you want to be mindful that it's all kind of interconnected. So when we get to school, we don't necessarily leave all of our troubles and our woes and our experiences outside. We bring what we call like an invisible backpack with us that is loaded with all the good and all the bad things that we've been through. So I think it's important to just kind of recognize that if we want kids to be at school alert and ready to learn, that we need to create the healthiest environments possible. So we don't want to ever be talking about youth violence or gun violence or schools without thinking about the larger, big word, macro system that we live in. And so our school is a smaller micro system. So what's happening in school may look very similar to what's happening globally. And as an adult, I worry on the way to work about things I hear on the news or I think about safety. If I hear about a shooting, I'm like, oh, do I know someone in that neighborhood? Do I know someone that went to school in Michigan, for example? You know, who do we know? You know, is everyone safe? So if I can do that and I still have really sophisticated faculties as an adult, I would imagine that young people need help with managing all of those complexities, but also the buck shouldn't stop with the young people. Like it's our responsibility as adults to continue to create safer world environments so that we can have safer learning environments. That's a very interesting perspective. What are your thoughts on this, Ms. Kelly? I honestly would literally say the same thing. Students carry all kind of even just minuscule things to school. If they had an argument with their mother or their father, it shows, especially when they get to me. I've had students who came first thing, they're crying, and it has to do with something that happened at home. So I can imagine, let's say if it happened in a neighboring school, of course, it is going to affect how students perform. Absolutely. Because they're coming to school wondering, are they going to be safe? Is it going to happen? And I wish that would not even be thought of right now. Unfortunately, it is. But yes, I would definitely say that it could and can negatively affect how students perform. If it could negatively affect me, of course, it would negatively affect students, especially. I just want to backtrack a little back to the question that I asked Ms. Gill about, do you believe that music is a correlating factor in students' view of gun violence? So I just wanted to get your opinion on that, Ms. Kelly. That's kind of a tricky subject because, of course, we don't want anybody to be censored. But once again, yes, some of the lyrics can be very vulgar and they glorify the violent life. And I I think, you know, some kids out there could get persuaded by that. They feel like because it's so glorified, you know, let's look at a rapper, Lil Boosie. And I'm guilty of listening to him, but he grew up on the streets. And there's a lot of people who feel like that that would be something that they would want to do. But to be honest, honest, I don't know if there is a direct link. I don't know of any school shooting where they said, yeah, it's because I listened to so-and-so's lyrics. I can't think of any, honestly. I don't know if there's a direct link, but I don't think it's good to be listening, especially as a young child or a young adult, listening to those type of lyrics. Like she said, it could be desensitizing. To ease our fears on this topic, what advice do you have, Dr. Gill? 
I have hope that we increasingly live in a world where people are free to be who they are. I think with less judgment and stigma, you have greater hope for people getting help earlier, people being able to say that I'm hurting. There's less mental health stigmas, so there's more opportunity for supports to be brought into the school and also for linkages to people, and they're more likely to take advantage of them. I think about the pre-pandemic world where there was maybe less distress in adolescents and children. However, we were less likely to talk about mental health with children and adolescents. So I do think that there is hope that we can continue to evolve how we function as a society, how we make accessible mental health supports, whether that's how it gets paid for or who provides it, how easy it is to access it. But I have faith that we are going to continue to thrive and create opportunities for people to have greater acceptance and more support and help in the schools and in the community and in the family. Thank you, Dr. Gill. What about you, Ms. Kelly? I would say talk, talk about your feelings to other people as well. And I think mental health, I've been saying that I'm a huge advocate for that because I've seen it in person, people who really needed help not getting it because there's just no funding for it. So I think that that's something lawmakers should look at to deal with that. Parents become more involved, us teachers more involved to make it just a safer environment. And that goes back to what I said earlier about teaching the proper way to handle feelings and emotions with students, not everything needs needs to be handled with a gun. And unfortunately, a lot of kids are turning to that and that doesn't need to be the case at all. So I think mental health, safer schools, training, the proper training for teachers, for students, I think we can, as a society, do better with it. Thank you. This has been a very good conversation. We've learned a lot and you have given us a lot to think about. Ms. Brianne Kelly and Dr. Tara Gill, thank you both for being a part of this very important conversation. Your guidance and expertise are very helpful. We know that you and other professionals are concerned about this issue as well. Thank you for sharing your tips, thoughts, and insights that could be helpful to young people concerned about gun violence in school and communities. To our listeners, are you doing your part? You've been listening to the MPB Student Council Podcast. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Media app to listen on your iPhone or Android device. This podcast is hosted with love by ACAST.